let them know one more time as they're making their exits. Thank you guys. Great, great job. We also thank Allison and Jennifer for all their hard work. I think my favorite one when he was singing about God's love and then he was doing this. Did y'all see that? Is that your kid? Yeah, I saw you fall down in the chair. But anyway, so uh, that's no big deal. Well, God loves you, but I'll shoot you. But anyway, so uh, that's good. You're leaving. I was just kidding, man. I'm sorry. There you go. Hey, listen, you know, this week is obviously Thanksgiving week, and it's an opportunity for us to all really join together with our family and friends and just say thanks to the Lord for all that he's done. And we want to go ahead and say thank you for all that you have done with our Operation Christmas Trial. We've actually reached our goal this year, so we're pumped about that. So let's just give yourself a hand clap of appreciation for all your hard work. If you're from Warner Robins, say goodbye to say, woo! Wow, we might get some salvations going today. That's amazing. Good to see you guys, man. Love you guys, man. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, here you go. You ready? Say, I'm ready. All right. Okay. Would you be free from the burden of sin? Come on. There's power in the blood, there is power in the blood. There's wonderful power in the blood. Second verse, second verse. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. There is power in the blood. Come for it, please. There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power. 
place this morning? All right, take your spot. All right, you guys can be seated. I made the other congregation stand up. They stood alone. So y'all are blessed. Okay, who remembers, just by the raising of your hands, who remembers our scripture memory that we were supposed to memorize? <clears throat> Raise your hand for salvation this morning, yes. All right, we're going to sing it. So for those of you who didn't memorize it good, maybe sometimes. Yes, I see those hands, Mansell. What's that mean? Squish together. We have two full rows in the front. Bring them on down. Okay? Yep, send them on down. If you have seats by you and you can scoot in a little bit, that would be helpful so the ushers can help people get in. It's awesome having not enough seats. But all the picture-taking people left because their children sang in the early service as well. So a lot of our... Except Mickey, he's still taking pictures. All right, so we're going to sing it. You ready? Seek ye first. We're going to sing it. You ready? And Levi, being that he told us that last week that when he first came that he really wanted to be a gospel, uh, country music singer. I've, uh, oh, yeah. I just got him up here the first time. He did pretty good, didn't he? He did. Sung a little tenor. Wow. That daddy sings bass. Levi sings tenor. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. You ready? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I didn't have my mic on, but it is on now. Aren't you glad to be here? Say amen. You know what? I am fired up because we had the opportunity to come in when you guys were in the middle of getting prepared for Christmas at Concord. We want to be certain to let you know that you obviously are invited to be a part of that one evening or two, but we also want to encourage you to bring some people who don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. Uh, we're going to make it a Massive intention to be certain we share the gospel each night. It's going to be overwhelmingly clear and give people an opportunity to respond. Here's what I found, though. It makes a huge difference whenever a congregation prays together about a certain event, asking God to really use it as a platform for evangelism. So what we want to do this morning is just take a time and really seek the Lord together. And I want you to pray with me and ask God to use us to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ throughout this Christmas at Concord. Amen? And I'm looking forward to what the Lord has in store. You know, the Lord may also put somebody on your heart that you need to bring. Maybe you work with them. Maybe they're a family member. Maybe they're a neighbor. But you need to invite them so they can come and hear the gospel. And you pray for God to change their life. You'll be shocked at what the Lord will do. So let's just bow our heads together. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to worship you this morning. And as we have sought this week, really to seek you first, God, I pray in the name of Jesus you would give us uh, a precise ability to know that there are people around us who desperately need to hear the good news. 
And God has, Concord has worked so diligently in preparing this Christmas for this production. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would bless their efforts. God, I pray that you would use it as just a bridge to the community so that we can clearly share the good news of the gospel so that people might receive you personally and begin to follow you. And may it really just build some momentum within the congregation that we are indeed all called to be missionaries, every one of us. So we have an opportunity, Lord, to make a difference in the community. Help us not forget that. And God, I'm confident as we seek you first and we seek your kingdom, reality is we become more intentional about, we how, about how we live this life and more intentional, Lord, about sharing the good news of the gospel. So Lord, just use us this year. Use us this Christmas. We don't want it to go by having, give a whole bunch of gifts, but totally miss out on giving the best gift. And that is the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. And so Lord, just be with us now. We invite you into this room. We pray in the name of Christ that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, that our full heart's attention will be bent in submission to who you are in honor of who you are. Just saying thanks for allowing us the opportunity to even come into your presence based upon the shed blood of your son. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And everybody said.
Church, stand with me. Let's proclaim the gospel in this place. In Christ alone, my hope is God bless you, church. You can be seated. Pastor? Well, if you've got a Bible, say amen. I want to invite you to open it with me to Psalm 119 this morning. Psalm 119. If you're visiting with us, we are going through a series of messages entitled, 
spiritual avalanche. And this morning we find ourselves in Psalm 119, verses 9, 10, and 11. Now you're going to find verse 11 to be your memory verse for this week. And um, I'll also give you another one tonight. So I want to encourage you to make it a point to come back this evening. And hey, look, last Sunday night we had a phenomenal attendance from what I understand. And so I'm going to trust that many of you are going to come back this evening and uh, worship with us. We'll have a, have a great, great time, all right? And I don't know why I repeated have a, have a. Y'all still with me? That uh, sounded like Elvis Presley, didn't it? All right, Psalm 119, verse 9. I want you to stand in honor of God's Word this morning, and we'll read what the Scripture says. The Bible says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your Word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Use it to wash us this morning. Give great power to the preached word this morning. And may it genuinely be used to transform lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, as um, I've already mentioned, the goal here is not to be impressive in speech, but the goal of this message is life change. So I ask that you would bring it about, knowing that the Scripture says that your word will never return void, but it always accomplishes that for which it has been proclaimed. So use it this morning as you see fit, and use me. Don't let me get in the way of what you desire to do. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'll begin with a statement and listen very closely. No one becomes a miserable Christian overnight. Uh, let me give you kind of a picture just to put into your mind's eyes we begin this morning. A picture with me. The snow begins to fall on the side of a mountain very slowly. However, as winter continues, so does the snow. The flakes which seem so small at their beginning display sheer strength as they gather together. Then before you know it, a massive sheet of snow, some eight to ten feet thick, has compounded on the side of a mountain. And when the sun goes down, the reflection of the moon's light discloses a hard freeze. Then with the rising of the sun, more snow continues to fall. Before long, the pressure of the snow on the side of the mountain cannot be contained. And a northern wind brushes against the heavy snowfall in just the right manner, and then it happens. An avalanche. Tons of snow traveling at high rates of speed down the side of a mountain, tearing up every single thing in its path. You know, subtle sins are like the snowfall in early winter. First, God is no longer your focus. You begin to live with little to no thought of God's will for your life. It's snowing. The sun sets as the moon takes over. There's no intake of God's Word. Unbiblical principles rule the night. It's freezing. As the sun rises again, selfish desires and evil cravings take control. It's a blizzard. And before you know it, ungodliness rules your thoughts as well as being displayed in your day-to-day -day actions. It's icing over. Then you begin to inwardly reject and even despise the Word of God. Outwardly, those who are living for the Lord get on your last nerve. Then a strong wind of adversity blows into your life and then it happens to you. A spiritual avalanche sliding down the side of a mountain with such force 
Your own sin blinds you from seeing every relationship you are destroying in your life at home, at work, and even at church. You do not become a miserable Christian overnight. So how do we avoid a sliding avalanche in our life? Well, God has challenged us and also taught us that we are called to live a blessed life. That is, God wants you inwardly happy. He wants you to have inward joy despite what is taking place all around you. Last week, we saw the first step in abiding to live with God as our primary focus. We've already sung this morning the verse, Matthew 6, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, we know from our study of Psalm 1 last week that the second mark of a sliding life as you can see here, is to live by unbiblical principles. Therefore, the second mark in living an abiding life is to live by biblical principles. God wrote a book. It's called the Bible. In fact, the Bible is God's word from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible is God's word for you. I've always said it this way. God wrote you a letter. You know, whenever Krista gives me a letter, first thing I do is, Rip it open. Y'all all right? Krista's my wife. <laughs> but why do I rip it open? Because I want to see what she has to say. There's some love in there, isn't there? Well, ladies and gentlemen, God has written you a love letter. It's called the Bible. And what we are called to do is rip into it, so to speak, and see what God has to say. Now, in efforts to combat living by unbiblical principles, we need to work a passage of Scripture into our life. We need to meditate I believe on Psalm 119.11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now this week you have freedom to ask anybody in this church what the memory verse is. And then they're going to quote it to you word for word. All right? Y'all with me? Say yes. That was four of you. All right? So y'all with me? Say yes. yes. Psalm 119.11. I want y'all quoting it at work. All right? I want you quoting it whenever you come into church. I want you to run it. I've already had people run into me this morning and give me Matthew 6, 33. Man, I want to see it as well with Psalm 119, 11. Now, there's a major question we want to ask of our text this morning, and then we'll just see the answers fall right out in front of our face. But the major question is simply this. How can I live by biblical principles? Now, we know God desires for us to do it, so how do we do it? Well, there's three major steps that you and I need to take. The step, first step is this. I must ask the right question. You see, you will never get the right answer until you ask the right question. So let's take a look at what the psalmist asked. And I call this the big question. Look at your Bible again. Look with me in verse 9. The psalmist says, How can a young man keep his way pure? Now you notice the word way. It speaks of a person's journey through life. It actually underscores the totality of their life. In fact, it brings to the surface a person's speech as well as their conduct. And then what he's asking is, how can a young man keep his way pure? The word pure, it speaks of that which is clean, that which is blameless, above reproach, and I like this word, unrebukable. Now this is interesting because the Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? So some of you may look at it and say, well, I'm not a young man, so it doesn't apply to me, right? Uh, some of you are old men, all right? If you're over 35, you are old to me. Just kidding. But anyway, so uh, 
And then you may be a lady this morning and say, well, this is for a man. But listen, here's the way you need to ask the question. How can a person keep their speech and conduct completely clean so that no fault could be found in their lives? Now, would you agree that's a big question? Amen. But then there's the big answer. Look back at verse 9 with me. How can a young man keep his way pure? Here's the answer. By keeping it according to your word. Now, the word keeping, it gives the imagery of someone who is guarding something. In this context, it literally means to guard your way of life in your speech as well as in your conduct. It also means to take great discipline in observing your way, observing your speech, observing your conduct. In fact, it's also been used to describe the act of keeping inventory. Now, when I was 12 years old or 11, I think it may have been, my dad told me to get a job. Y'all all right? I was sitting in the house one morning watching cartoons. Boy, you need to work. So anyway, I began to work. I tried to mow people's grass and all this other kind of stuff that was going on, but I did get to work. Now, when I was 16 years old, I got a job at Ecker Drugstore. Amen. I was so glad to be out of the hot sun. I was in there now counting pills. All right. So here I was at Ecker Drugstore, and uh, I basically was a stock boy. Very easy job. I ain't going to tell you a story. All right. It was easy peasy, except for one... Um, Except for one day, basically. One day a year, for the most part. Uh, the little short boss lady would come in to me, and she'd look up at me, and she'd say, Levi, I want you to go through every single rack in the store and count every single thing that we had. We called this inventory day. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? So sure enough, I'd go through every single rack, and I'd pull all the Benadryl off. I'd count every single box of Tylenol. I'd count every single bag of diapers. Every single thing in there. I mean, I was even counting deodorant. Everything. Uh, just so we could bring it back to the boss lady and say, okay, here's exactly what we have in the store. You know what we were doing? We were keeping up with what we had. Now, I want you to listen close. Are you listening? Say, I'm listening. The Bible is encouraging us out of this verse to take inventory of our life. You know what you need to do? You know what I need to do? We need to go through the back rooms of our lives and take inventory of the words that are coming out of our mouths. We need to take inventory of the actions that we have stocked up in our lives. Now, why are we doing this? We're doing it according to this passage because we want to be certain that every single word that comes out of our mouth, every single action that comes from our lifestyle lines up in accordance with the Word of God. That's exactly what he says. Look at it again. By keeping it according to your word. And the word according means to be conformed to, to be reconciled with or in agreement with. And the word uh, word highlights God's word. It means literally God's speech, God's advice, his counsel. And you can remember Psalm 1 and 1, can't you? Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So where do we get our counsel from? We get it from God's word. And whenever you take God's word and you begin to look at it and and then you take inventory of your own life. You want to say, does this match up with what I'm reading? Are y'all out there? So that is the very first thing that we are to do. Now, let's put the big question and answer together. How can, and I've added a few things, all right? So just listen. This is the Lord teaching me, and I love it. How can you and I keep the totality of our life, our speech, our conduct, listen, at home, at work, at church, in recreation, and even our leisurely activities. How can we keep all of this pure, clean, blameless, and unrebukable? Here's how. By guarding the totality of our life, by taking inventory of our speech and our conduct and making sure that everything we say and every single thing that we do is in agreement with the Word of God in every aspect of our life. 
That's a big question, isn't it? That's a, that's a mouthful. Would you not agree? We could just pray right there and leave, couldn't we? But there's more to come. Let's take the second step. The second step is simply this. I must make the right decision. Take a look with me at verse 10. You got it there in front of you? Say amen. Verse 10. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. So what is the right decision? It's what I call a Godward pursuit. All right? It's not inward. It's not upward. But it is Godward. The psalmist says, with all of my heart I have sought you. Now, check out this. What does the word heart mean? It speaks of my mind, speaks of my will, my understanding. Listen, it literally describes the inner me. It describes the real genuine me. Look at the preacher. It describes who you are when nobody's looking. <laughs> That's the inner you. So the psalmist says, with the inner me, the real deal me, here's what I'm doing. Notice, he says, I am seeking after the Lord. And the word sought, it's the act of going after something with every fiber of our being. Nothing holding us back. This word reminds me of what I did the first time I saw my wife, Krista. Y'all with me? I was down in a Bible study at Shorter College. I came in a little bit late, but I sat down and looked across the circle and saw her for the first time and thought to myself, she's fine. Y'all all right? And don't act spiritual. You've had that happen too, right? So what did I do? Listen, here's what I began to do. I, I made up my mind that, that day, the first time I saw her, I said, I'm going to salt her. Y'all with me? I'm going after her, man. That's what I'm going to do. So matter of fact, that's exactly what I began to do. I began to seek after her. It is amazing how much money you'll spend when you fall in love. It is amazing where you will go to see the one you love. And it is amazing how much time you will spend with the one you love. Uh, one summer she was working in Tyler, Texas on staff at a church and I had the opportunity to go out and visit her. And I was in Rome, Georgia, I believe. And so I had to save up my money to buy a plane ticket to get out there because the last thing I was going to do was drive. Y'all with me? So sure enough, I flew out there to see her. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. I didn't make any money. I believe I spent just about every dollar I had on a ticket just so I could be with her. And then when I got there, I found out that Tyler, Texas was the rose capital of the world. So I had a great idea. I asked her granddaddy if I could borrow his truck. And for some reason, he let me. But I jumped in the truck, and I drove down to the first rose store I could find. I walked in there, and I pointed at a vase. I said, put that vase together with 12 roses in it and make it look pretty. And then I went up to the counter, and they said, that would be $165. I said, let's not make it look that pretty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you put it in there. It's amazing what you'll do. Now, listen, whenever you make a decision in your life where this is what you're saying, please look at me. When you say, man, with all of my heart, Lord, I'm going to seek after you. When you make that decision, you will be shocked at what you will give to God. You will be shocked at where you will go for the Lord. You will be shocked at your inward desire just to sit down and spend time with God. It's amazing what happens when you make this decision in your life. Y'all with me still? Say amen. Then notice his cry for help, and I love this. It's almost like he's saying, Lord, I know i got to seek after you, but look at what the psalmist says, the next phrase, do not let me wander from your commandments. Uh, the key word is wander. It means to err or go astray or to be carried away by the current of this world. So he says this. He saying, Lord, I want you to see it. With all of my heart, I'm seeking after you, all right? Every single fiber of my being. But here's the deal, Lord. Don't let me wander. So what he's saying is this, I, and I didn't share this in the first service, but this is good. I just thought of it. Y'all with me? <laughs> Lord, I want to seek after you, but I know I don't have the strength to do it. So I'm going to just say, hey, I want to seek after you. Now give me the strength so that I don't wander away from you. 
Isn't that interesting? Even your pursuit toward God needs grace from God to empower you to do it. <laughs> Holy cow. Y'all got a pen? I need to write that down. That made good sense, didn't it? I just love, I, anyway, let me, let me keep going. This is cool. Uh, let me tell you this. Here's what we did. I was invited to go down uh, to Florida, I think it was last summer or the summer before, to preach a student camp on the beach, right? Destin, Florida, suffering for the Lord. So they called me up and they invited me to come down and preach. And here's what they said. You can bring your family with you and y'all can hang out at the beach all day and you just come and preach every night. So that sounded like a good deal. So anyway, that's what we did. We went down to Destin, Florida. And during the day, we went out to the beach. Now, y'all don't know this about me, but I, I'm, a, I'm a professional at something. Are y'all with me? What are you laughing at? I am a, listen, I am a professional boogie boarder, all right? Do y'all know what a boogie board is? It's basically a short board. It's not a surfboard. It's a little shorter, and you ride it with your whole body. So you jump on that dude, and you ride the waves in, and I'm, I'm just serious as a heart attack. I am unbelievably good at this, all right? I don't mean to brag, but I'm the man. But anyway, so I, we get out there. Now, Garrison is old enough now. He can get out there in the ocean with us. And so, sure enough, Garrison has his boogie board. We bought him one. We get out there and we're sharing and I'm showing him how to ride, you know, the boogie board in to the beach. So we're out there for about 30 minutes and we're just trucking after it. Now I'm a little bit faster than he is because I'm older than he is. And uh, so we get out there and I, I come in after riding just a remarkable wave, getting up to see who watched me. <laughs> Nobody. But anyway, so I, I get up. I was expecting a bunch of cheers. But anyway, so I get up. And I turn around, and I can't find Garrison, right? So I look down the beach. I don't see him. I look down this way. I still don't see him. Uh, so what I did is I said, well, I, I'll just go up here on the beach and ask Krista where he is. So I walked up there, and I said, hey, Krista, do you know where Garrison is? Bad question to ask a mama. Y'all all right? So anyway, she said, you're supposed to be watching him. <laughs> I said, I know that. I'm sure he's around here somewhere. And then I looked into the deep blue sea, all right? So anyway, I'm like, Lord, where's Garrison? So finally, I find him about 100 yards down the beach. He's down there. He's just boogie boarding, having a great time. So I go down there to him and say, Garrison, man, you got to come over here. Look, man, the current is pulling you down the beach. So here's what I did. Now, I want you all to use your imagination with me. Are you all with me? I said, come here, son. And we stood, now the, you guys are at the beach right now, and we stood and we turned around and we looked up at our building where we were staying. Uh, just pretend for a moment that it's the screen up there. I said, now Garrison, what you need to do is you need to make sure that you stay in front of the building. So if you get too far out this way, get out of the water and get back in front of the building. Get out too far this way, get out of the water, get back in front of the building. And so sure enough, I saw him. He's out there hanging out in the water and uh, he rides one wave in and I saw him. He come up and wiped the BP oil from his eyes and then he... he <laughs> He, yeah, he, he looked up there at the building and he realized he was out from the building. So he got out and he came back down the beach. All we did was set boundaries for him there. And this is what you and I do whenever we begin to live by biblical principles. We are in, listen, we are in the current of this world. The entire world system is here to drag us away from biblical principles. But what we do is we say, nope, I'm going to stand in front of Almighty God and his immovable principles and I'm not going to go downstream. Now, here's the deal. If I realize that my speech is outside the boundaries, what am I going to do? I'm going to get out of the water, get back in front of biblical principles. If I realize my conduct is outside of biblical principles, what am I doing? Getting out, getting back in front of the building. But you have to know what the Bible says to have the boundary. <laughs> so anyway, that's what we do. Now, this is awesome. Well, the third step that I want you to see, and man, I'm going to give this to you very quickly because I want to show you how this fleshes out in my life personally. All right? 
So how do we live by biblical principles? We ask the right question. How can I keep pure? We make the right decision. And then, check this out. What do we do thirdly? I must take the right action. Decisions are always followed by disciplines. The psalmist knew it. What was his discipline? Look at verse 11. Here's his discipline in life. Lord, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now the word treasured, it means to keep in storage. It means to hide something of great value, to look over something with great joy. And then the word heart there again, what does it mean? It speaks about the genuine you and I. And then the word sin, it's a term that speaks of going wrong or stepping outside of the lines of biblical truth in principles for life. Sin, listen, is displeasing to God. So let me put it all together for us. Listen closely. Your word is what I value and anticipate looking over and admiring with great joy. Your word is what I keep under lock and key in my heart. My mind is a treasure chest for your word. And I do this so that I will not displease you willfully or unknowingly. See, when you and I begin to live by biblical principles, we approach the reading of God's word completely differently. What we do is we open up the word of God and we realize that every single word within the word is like a treasure chest. And what you and I have the opportunity to do through study and meditation is open up every word and pull out all of the jewels. We pull out the emerald of truth. We pull out, I mean, the gold there. And what we do, man, is it is just so amazing that we are absolutely in love with it. And really, that's what preaching is. Whenever I study throughout the week, what I'm doing is spending time with God's Word. And I get in here, man, and I'm just studying and digging and digging and digging. And then I'm just putting all the jewelry out here in front of us, right? And then when I get up here to preach, all I'll do is say, hey, look at this. This is impressive, isn't it? Goodness gracious, look at what God's Word says. You know what you'll find whenever you begin to hide God's Word into your heart? Dig into it. You will find you have a desire to share it with other people. Now, I'm a man, so I don't wear much jewelry, all right? I wear my wedding ring. But from what I have witnessed, women like jewelry. Have y'all, y'all know this? And what they like to do when they have it on is let other people see it, right? So that's what they do. They just show it to everybody. Check this out. Check this out. That's what they do. Just showing all that. That's what you and I do when we fall in love with God's word. Listen, we just say, check out this jewelry. Check this truth out. Check this out. And it's so amazing. I've had people already share with me this week of how they were at work and because they've been meditating on Matthew 6, they had an opportunity to share it with somebody that they worked with. You know what they're doing? They're just saying, hey, check out this emerald of truth. Do y'all think that would change the way you live? Tell me it wouldn't, right? That is unbelievable, man. You know, it, it reminds me of a time when uh, we were in, I think we were in Cameroon, and what we were doing is we were eating breakfast that morning, and I saw the lady who was cooking breakfast for us, she was taking oranges and cutting them in half and then taking them and literally squeezing them as hard as she possibly could to get every single uh, bit of orange juice out of the orange. She's squeezing it into the cup so she could bring it to us. And she's just working at it and squeezing it, squeezing it. And I thought to myself, that's what we do when we study God's Word, we meditate on it. We just squeeze the Word of God, squeeze it, squeeze it, and juice just falls out and we drink it. And here's what I found about the Scripture. You can never out-squeeze the Word of God. There's always truth dripping from it. Y'all with me? Say yes. There's so much I want to share, but let me, let me do this very quickly. I want to talk to you about our key application. Now, I'm going to fill the blanks in for you, and then I'm going to show you how this works. So get ready, if you're filling in blanks, to use your pen very quickly. 
The question is, how can I keep all roles in my life pure? Now, you may say, what do you mean by roles, Levi? Here's what I mean. Look at the preacher for a second. This is what I've done. I want to encourage you to do this this week sometime, all right? You sit down with a sheet of paper and you write out every single role that you have in life. For example, I would say, role number one, I'm a follower of Christ. Role number two, I'm a husband to Christa. Role number three, I'm a father to my children. Role number four, I'm a pastor at Concord. Role number five, you see where I'm going with this? You can go all the way down to every single role you have in life. Even I'm a friend to people. All right, so you list down all of the roles. And then what you want to do is take inventory of your roles. You want to ask this question, what's my speech like in this role currently? Right? Then you want to ask, what's my conduct like in this role currently? Hey, hey how am I talking at work? Y'all with me? I've been shocked at how spiritual men can be when they're inside the church building. <laughs> Y'all still listening? Oh, they can, they can put together unbelievable prayers, but then when you show up to work on Monday morning, something has happened to you, man. Because you can think of every single cuss word to say, can't you? Well, what's the deal with that? Take inventory of your work. Is that lining up with what Scripture says? Letter B, I'm determined to be Godward focused in this role. And what we do is we just ask the question, what does God's Word say about my life in this role? And you get into the Bible. Figure out, what does the Lord say about how I should be at work? What does the Lord say I should be, how I should be a, a wife or a husband? Uh, how should I be as a person who is involved in a fellowship? What, what do I look like? What does the Bible say? And then letter C, you begin to set boundaries. These are boundaries I have set in my life to remain pure. Now, are you all with me? Say yes. I want to show you how this has worked in my life, all right? Easiest way, easiest way I can think of. Here's what I did. I listed down my roles, and I began to ask the question, how can I, as a husband, remain pure? How can I, as a father, remain pure? Do you all see where I'm getting that wonderful question? Right out of the Bible. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And I'm going to just talk to you about being a dad for a second. So I said, how can I, as a dad, remain pure? And then first thing I did was begin to take inventory of my life. So I'm going to go back into the stock shelves of my life, and I'm going to pull off the words what are the words that I am saying to my children? Now, I'll be honest with you, I pulled something off that shouldn't be there. I had gotten into the habit of calling my four children dipsticks. Are y'all all right? And so that's what I did. Dipsticks get in the van, dipsticks brush your teeth, dipsticks go to bed. All right? And, and really, truly, let's think about it. Does that encourage my kids? Oh, is it funny? A little bit. But it doesn't encourage them, right? And so what do I have to do? I have to say this. I, I take that word out. And I no longer say it. Now I want to change the way that I talk to my children. I want to be a source of encouragement to them. Do you see what I'm doing? Now look at me for just a second. Anytime you take away an action or a word, you always have to replace it. Y'all with me? Think about it like shelves at Edgar Drugstore. Well, Rite Aid now. They were bought out. Think about Rite Aid. If you went in there and there's an empty shelf, you think they got nothing on Going on, they're not selling anything. But if they take something off, what do they always do when they take something off the shelf? Put something back in its place. You've got to do the same thing. You take that word out, you put something else back in its place. And so that's what I did. I began to take inventory of my life. And then I had to make the right decision. The psalmist said it. With all my heart I've sought you, don't let me wander from your commandments. See what I began to do? Check this out. I began to get into the Bible. And here was my question to the Lord. Lord, what should I be like as a daddy? Is that a good question? 
So what we got to do, just get in there and say, all right, Lord, what do I need to be like as a daddy? So I begin to read over in the Old Testament where in the book of Deuteronomy, it tells me that I need to raise my children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, right? So I need to train them up so that they could know the Lord Jesus. So I begin to say, all right, that's what God's word says. And now I've got to turn it into a discipline in my life. And that was a third deal. I make the right Action. I begin to meditate on the scripture. Lord, I understand what your word says. How can I flesh this out and apply it in my life? So here's what I ended up doing. I set some boundaries in my life. Are y'all still with me? Say yes. Oh, what are the boundaries? Now check it out. All I'm doing is building uh, a building in front of me spiritually so that I don't get outside the boundaries of God's principles. And so I set one boundary that every single night when I'm at home, we were going to spend time uh, reading a devotional together. So before we ate, uh, we would actually pull out this book and we begin to read it. So awesome. We've gotten to the habit of it now that they actually go and get it out of the closet and bring it to me, right? So then we sit down, we open it up, very short little devotional. I got it from Lifeway and I read through it and then there's questions at the end of it. And so here's the deal. I told them, I said, all right, guys, I'm going to read this. I'm going to ask you questions. When you get the question right, I'm going to put a sticker in the back of the book. When we get 100 stickers, we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. All right? You know what that did? Motivated them. You all with me? So now when I begin to read the devotional, they're paying attention. Then I ask them all the questions. So I go down the line. Garrison, I ask him. Matt, I ask her. Gavin, I ask uh, him. And then Marley, she's like one, but I still ask her questions. <laughs> and she never gets the answer right, but I give her a sticker anyway. All right. Grace is what that's called. So we put it in there. We've, listen, we've already got 100 stickers. We've already been in Chuck E. Cheese once. We're working on it again. But we're studying that. Do you see the principle? You see the boundary? Now there's another boundary we set in our life. Every single night before we go to bed, we all get together and we pray with one another. So now I'm just building this. I've got two boundaries here. So now we're going to get together and pray. So in the evenings, we get together, usually around the bed, sit there, we'll hold hands, talk about what we can pray for, and then we just pray uh, thanksgiving to the Lord of what happened that day, and then pray for things in the future. Right now we're praying uh, for a lot of things. Y'all with me? These are two boundaries in my life. Now check it out. If I'm hanging out over here and one evening I forget to have a devotional, what am I going to do? Beat myself up about it? Answer is no. What are you going to do, Levi? Get out of the water and get back down in front of the building. We'll pick it up next week or we'll pick it up tomorrow night. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? And then let's check it out. If we forget to pray one evening, maybe it was just a crazy night and they went to bed at different times and I get outside and I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't pray with them. This is ridiculous. I'm a terrible dad. No, no, no. What am I going to do? Just say, all right, I, I'm just floating downstream. Let me get back out and get into the right spot. Now look at me for just a second. I've mentioned two boundaries that I've set in my life. Here's the deal. They may not be your boundaries. You may have different boundaries. Are y'all looking at the preacher? Listen to me very closely. You may have different boundaries. You never take the boundaries you set in your life and go and say everybody else has to set the same ones. That's called legalism. Do y'all hear me? So I've set these boundaries. Hey, you may not do it this way, but you, you know the Bible says that you ought to train them up to know the Lord. You know that. Now you may have different boundaries you've set to help you keep that, but you still need to have some boundaries. But I don't go around either and brag about how I spend time in prayer and how we have a devotion. Why do I not do that? Because that would be legalistic too. I'm more spiritual than y'all because we have a devotional. Do y'all see the point? That's not what we do, right? And so these are just areas in our life. And here's the deal. I want you to see this too. I'm not doing this to earn righteousness from the Lord. Well, why are you not doing it to earn righteousness? God has already made me righteous. 
He made me righteous in Christ. So I'm not doing it to earn righteousness. That would be legalism. What I'm doing is just serving the Lord out of the righteousness He's already given me. So we just put these things in place. And check it out. You can do that for every single role you have in life. You're a husband. What are your boundaries? You're a manager. What are your boundaries? You're an employee. What are your boundaries? How are you talking? How are you acting? Do y'all see the picture? But it takes discipline for you to do this. This means you have to actually get in the Word and find out what it says. And then you have to sit back and say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to apply this in my life? And you'll be shocked at how the Lord begins to, listen to the preacher, transform how you live. Uh, you want to make a difference out there? Let the Lord make a difference in here. You'll be shocked at the difference. Now, here, here's what I found, too, and I'm going to close this, this bad boy out here. 11.59. I got one more minute. This is awesome, man. I'm doing good on time today. We got out on time. I better hush and finish this up. But here, here's the deal. Whenever you begin to study the Scripture and you begin to put boundaries in your life, you'll be shocked at how sensitive, now I'm talking as a dad still, how sensitive you are to God at work in the lives of your children. You wouldn't be that sensitive if you weren't spending time in the Word. You wouldn't be that sensitive if you didn't have some boundaries in your life. But when you have that going on, you get really sensitive to what God's doing in the life of your children. Uh, one great example, Maddie, she was going to bed one night. She was scared to death. She had watched Snow White, I think, and she saw some shadows on her wall, all right? So she was frightened. I see shadows on my wall all the time. But anyway, so she's here. She's scared to death. Krista goes in, talks with her, goes in, shares with her a verse that she can memorize. Uh, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but one of sound, love, power, and discipline, right? Gives her that. Every time you're scared, Maddie, you just quote that verse. Every time you're scared, Maddie, you pray and ask God to give you strength. So guess what? Did she come and sleep in the bed with us? No. She stayed in her own bed. But what, why did we do that? Because we were sensitive to God. God opened an opportunity. Here's an awesome opportunity to teach her a biblical truth. You with me? She goes to spend the night with her cousin Sadie. Her cousin Sadie, who's one year younger, scared to death that night to go to bed. You know what Maddie did? Quoted the verse to her. <laughs> Y'all with me? That's what you do. And here's the deal. And you, we talked about Garrison getting baptized last Sunday, but it was so unique. God began to work on him. I remember him asking me a question about baptism. Now listen, if I weren't seeking to be a dad to lead my children in the Lord, here's what most dads do. What are you asking me, son, about baptism? Boy, go ask your mama. Y'all with me? But whenever you begin to set boundaries, study the Word and say, God, I want to be pure. I'm going to seek you with all my heart. And then all of a sudden you get a question like that from your children. Say, come here and let's sit down and let's talk. Baptism doesn't save you. Let me talk to you about what God did for you in Jesus. You see where I'm coming from? That's what will happen in your life. You'll get sensitive when you go to work. When you start living a godly life at work, you'll be shocked because people come up to you and say, Hey, man, you think you could pray for me? Why are they coming to you? I said this in the first service, so let me throw it in. People shouldn't be shocked to find out you go to church. So whenever you're at work and you're saying, hey, man, come down to Concord. we got a new preacher. He's like 18 years old. It's phenomenal. Come down and check him out. I know he started shaving like yesterday. Yeah. So anyway, come down there and check it out. It's going to be great. They shouldn't look at you and say, you go to church? You know why some people would say that to you? Because of the way you talk. You laugh at the same perverted jokes they laugh at. Don't do that. What are your boundaries? I'm not going to laugh at this mess. I'm not going to talk like this. Set them up. What does God's Word say about it? You're supposed to be a light in a dark world. Are y'all hearing me talk? Well, let me close it out. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we're grateful.
Uh, we do not want to slide. We want to abide. Live by biblical principles. Lord, I know a ton of information in this message. I pray that it's been received. And I pray that it be acted upon. And Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would transform people's lives so that we could indeed be a remarkable witness to the community. People desperately need the gospel. And you've given us charge to go and give it to them. So God, help us to be faithful in that. And I pray this week that people will sit down and really ask the question, what are roles that they have? Are they living pure? What are some boundaries they can set? God, I pray we would be able to hear uh, just phenomenal stories from people about, hey, here's what I've done. Uh, here's what I've sought to do to keep me pure at work. Here's what I've sought to do to keep me pure at church. And Father, please work in our hearts. I mean, I'm just begging that you would transform me. Make me more like your son.